This is part three of a three-part podcast. Hi, this is Mark. Sometimes talking to a friend or family member about permaculture can be met with a blank stare if it's all new to them. A great way to explain some of it can be over a card game using permaculture playing cards, which each have interesting facts with quality illustrations and descriptions. A wide range of people, places, and things, all related to permaculture, can be found on the permaculture playing cards at richsoil.com forward slash cards. I I thought it was funny uh, this year at the uh, um, was it the October event or was it the summer event I think it was a, no it was, it was the uh, the Rocket Mass Heater Jamboree uh, when we we're doing this kind of check in about infrastructure uh, basically somebody pointed out that inside of Willow Wonka a stalagmite was forming yeah <laughs> and and I thought that the upside of that is is that it shows how good the, how how high the quality of food is because if the food quality was poor. There's no way you're making a stalagmite. Yeah, no, that's. And the next thing to do is to appreciate that it's not a stalactite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, uh, 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 right. All we got to, so the, the boots, I believe, went and, uh, opened up the back flap, gave that can a shake and problem solved. But, you yeah. know. It's uh, it's usually a problem we don't have until winter time, <laughs> when uh, you know things get frozen. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, so it sounds like that was that was pretty damn funny. And in the meantime, boy, those stalagmites—they're going to happen a lot faster with a Jenkins system if everybody's been eating good. Because yeah, got less I mean, vertical real estate to work with there. That that is true, yeah. You you do have to be aware of that, you know. And you open it up, and you're going to sit down. Uh, you don't want to be tickled <laughs> when you're sitting down. <laughs> okay. So, um, I I the other thing is is that I feel like um, when everything is working correctly, and you've got uh, you've got your pipe inside uh, the willow feeder to the one side. And uh, it's there to kind of help dry things out. So if any liquids get to the bottom, they are now exposed directly to the air, so they have a chance to um, evaporate. Uh, I like to think that when the system is working well, that it should weigh, the whole thing should weigh about one-third that of the Jenkins system. Right. See, I would think that, Again, for an indoor system, you would not want that pipe exposing the bottom of the barrel and the liquids to the air because ultimately you're going to have urine with a little bit of poop in it that would then be exposed to the air. And I guess if you have the draw, if the if the draft is proper to where it's pulling it out of the house, yeah. you'd be okay. Yeah. Um, so but, if okay. It, if it's, but if that isn't, you know, you lift the seat up, then – you you have a a good chance of smelling something at that point, you know, and and did, stale urine is really strong. Did you smell anything when you were here? Uh, occasionally, yeah. You did. Which mm-hmm. which one? Um, I used both. Uh, I would say the Willow feeder uh, is what I use most of the time. Willow, I think Willow I, Bank or, or Willow, Willow Bank. Okay. I, yeah, Willow Bank. I think I used now, Willow Wonka once or twice. So I I don't recall the Willow, if it was there. But the Willow thing is, is that needs an, Willow Bank needs. Well, they both need changes. 
But Willow Bank yeah. is in more powerful need of an overhaul because it's currently using solar power and a fan, but the fan blows out the side, and we need to get it to blow out the roof. Right, and and I I did hear that fan going at night. That was uh, that was pretty cool, okay. and yeah, I never smelled it when I walked into it. And obviously, it's it's incredibly well ventilated uh, the way it's set up. Um, but it was only when you go to sit down on it, you know, and you open the lid there. I think it's just a matter of the the, the air pressure, you know, when the fan's drawing, it's. Yeah, it, it's it's like having, like you were saying, the batch box without the door on it. You yeah. know, ideally it wants to draw up the riser, but then you're still going to get those little puffs that come out the door side. And I think it's the same setup there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like any systems. Like, well, in my bathroom right now, I go in there and I sit down and, you know, depending on how much Taco Bell I had, I'm smelling it, you know, one way or the other, whether the fan's on or or, or not, right? You know, so it's not like it's a uh, a novel <laughs> situation. Right. <laughs> You'd smell I mean, something. The, the bottom line is, is that all of your experiences with using a willow feeder, it was more, it was, I'm going I'm to speculate, it was 20 times more olfactorily pleasant than your modern home that you live in right now. Yeah, um, I would say I've I've had a, a poor experiences with a regular flush toilet. You know that when you go, you're certainly smelling it, and when you go to flush, I make a point of always putting that lid down because I've seen the little the science video things. They say, hey, let's turn off the light and turn on the black light and then flush the toilet. And, oh, look at the mist spraying all over the walls and the sink and your toothbrush and all that. That is feces, you know, type of videos. It's like, dear God. So, yeah, and regardless of the setup, if you're farting when you're on the toilet, you know, that that tends to linger for a bit, right? Um, So, yeah, the the using Willow Bank – um, it's been a, a better experience simply for the fact too that it's it's just well ventilated. So let me if ask you us, fart, it's you're not going to smell it in a minute later, anyways. So so let me let me ask you a slightly different question. I'm going to bring Katie in on this one. Okay, so here's Katie, a beautiful woman. She's standing outside waiting her turn at your house. You went in there and you did a big job and now, and you got the fan going and everything, but you know that fan just isn't cutting it. It's like, it doesn't matter how big of a fan it is. It's, but you're coming out and there's Katie going to go in. Now, if it's a willow feeder, you're going to be like, go right in. You know, don't, no need to wait. But now if it's at your home with your modern, uh, um, facilities. You're gonna, are you gonna say to Katie, oh, Katie, have right. I, I, w- I want to talk to you about Bitcoin for about <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, there's, there's two different things you're gonna say in a, in a, in a modern house with a flush toilet if somebody's waiting. You're either gonna say, I wouldn't go in there if I were you, or you're gonna say, I'm so sorry for your loss, you know, as they walk past you. <laughs> okay. So. I, I think, uh, 
Yeah, I I saw I saw a funny video ten years ago, and that was basically that the uh, kind of like the guy goes into the the bathroom, which is a closed closet, only he instantly realizes whoever was in there before him had a really bad day, and he couldn't stay in there a second longer. He was going to go to the the next toilet over or whatever, but the second he walks out, then there's uh, a beautiful woman coming and she says, Oh, hold the door for me, you know, or whatever. And he's like, he, he decides to jump back in. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> want her to think that it was him. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't, as, let's see, I believe as using your own words, I believe you would want Katie to not know about your, your, Taco Bell problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you feel sorry for the next person. <laughs> so, uh, and that's all right. part of the problem too is that there there is no other option for that air. You know, you have that overhead air vent, and you can leave that on and keep the door mostly closed, and hope that it will cycle the, all the air through. But in reality, it's going to take it twenty thirty minutes before a bathroom's not going to smell in a, in a current house setup. So being able to, to sit down on a toilet seat and have either a trom wall or an electric fan or something that is drawing air sort of between your legs and, and through the seat and then out um, to minimize that. So it's like, yeah, if you fart a lot, well, then it's already going the right direction to be drawn out of the house. Uh, that seems like an ideal setup. Um, you, you do have to then have either something that has enough thermal mass, right, and, and enough sunny days to keep it heated up so you can have natural, um, you know, uh, airflow, or having a fan that's connected to a battery that's then running 24 um, 7. You do have that scenario. But I, I would say that if you have enough cover material, then you shouldn't have those issues with smells as much. So from personal use of a, a system where it was all indoors, there was no fans, it's like enough cover material, and you don't want to drown it in it, but you do have to cover. You know, if you have any poop exposed to air, you're going to smell poop. You know, might not be a lot, but you will. So it's it does have to be covered properly so that you can minimize that. Um, but I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that the Willow Peter system is doing an amazing job of getting the smell. I, I think that, uh, I think that we're typically any, any odors with the Willow Peter system is well under 1% of what it's going to be for a conventional home. That's, I, I believe that. Um, and and you might have some different numbers. Katie? I agree. Using the Willow feeders there um, at Weedon Labs was a great experience. I thought it was lovely. Um, I do I do appreciate in the nighttime having an indoor, <laughs> having an in-Wolfati uh, Willow feeder is, is excellent. Um, but I love sort of being outdoors uh, and feeling more outdoorsy in, in bathrooms that I've used before that were, more fully outdoors, like not fully enclosed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was lovely. It was super fresh air, getting to see outdoors as long as you felt private, which, which in this case I did. So I think it's it's a wonderful thing to have the the air vent system. It could be potentially uh, potentially a hundred times better than a regular bathroom. Yeah. Uh, 
I think that's yeah, hundred times what I'm going with too. So, um, all right. Uh, th- I do think that the willow feeder system is a big step up from the Jenkins humanure system uh, in a lot of different ways. Now, the question is, is like, what's going to be my building codes? I'm not going to require the um, uh, the use of the willow feeder system, but I am going to require the ability to state that um, there's two important things that the uh, nothing goes into the groundwater is number one, and number two is that it's whatever system you're using, there's no possibility of flies, any kind of fly issues. Now, you got to keep in mind that it's not about what will actually happen, but it's about what a hysterical nitwit will say. Right. And so keep in mind that there was a video put out by uh, the Fouches, and part of what they said, and granted this was a minor thing that they said, is – something about unhygienic stuff or something like that. And then when we looked into it, it turned out that all of their hysteria, which they, they kind of had a lot of hysteria on that point, but all their hysteria was based on somebody saw a mouse inside a willow beer. And so the idea is, is that, and what I heard from these other people where they saw a mouse is that they were like, the mouse is going to go, into the can. And I'm not sure if anybody saw the mouse in the can. I don't think they did. I think they saw it outside. Like, like, like in, inside the willow feeder space, like where you put your feet. Right, right. But, but okay. Basically, I can imagine if it got into the can, how it would get back out, you know? Right. Basically the hysteria that I was hearing was what if the mouse got into the can and touched poop and then went over to Mark's house and touched his food. And that would be, so this is where the hysteria had come from. The unsanitary conditions is somebody saw a mouse inside of a willow feeder and then imagined what if this, this this whole (laughs) what if scenario. That was it. So now I kind of feel like, okay, this is, so what we got to deal with is not so much reality as much as hysterical dumb fucks. Right. And so, well, you know, it, it could be even worse that what happens when the spider at night crawls into the willow feeder, gets down in there and swims around in there. And then, you know, I'll be asleep. And the spider will, by nature, instinctually want to crawl into my mouth after that. <laughs> because as we know, all, all spiders sleep in people's mouths at night when they're asleep. Or supposedly eat dozens of them. So now it's going to be, I'll have this weird morning aftertaste in my mouth. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, need some mouthwash. But I get what you're saying. Any any system that you have where you're trying to compost whatever, if it's within a thousand yards of any kind of food source, there's going to be somebody that's going to oh, just yeah. assume the worst. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's the hysterical dumb fucks that are going to be the biggest one. But the other thing is, is like let's. I think I think let's legitimately have a legitimate think about scalability of the system. Humanure does not scale. If everybody in Missoula did humanure, 
then probably two-thirds of the population would be dead in 10 years because humanure does not scale. Because part of it being is that too many dumb fucks fuck it up. Too many dumb fucks do it poorly or they're in a rush, and they'll justify it. I was in a rush. I just want this this one time, and by one time I mean every time. Just this every time. That's all, just the every time. Right. If you have every single household is doing their own little private system, and you have to expect that one in X number of people are going to be dummies and not do it correctly, right. and then they're going to mess it up, well, then there's going to be that that potential for disease. Yeah. So on the other hand, as far as scalability, I forget if, if Joe had a video about it or it was in the book um, where he did take that system to another country, and I don't recall where where it was now, if it was South America, if it was African continent or, or where, but they had essentially communities. So they would have the five gallon buckets and they had, you know, this say like a public bathroom essentially in the, the, the villages. And as they would fill up a bucket, they would snap a lid on it and put it in the, the closet next to the bathroom and put the next bucket in. And then they had people who would come around once a week and, okay, there's a dozen buckets in here. They would pull them out, put them in the back of the truck and take them to a facility where the compost piles, I forget how large they were. They were five feet tall. Um, but I forget if it was like a, a 10 by 10 or 20 by 20, what kind of space they had. But they would dump all the buckets into so that they, they knew, okay, there's like 500 people in this village. We're going to get X number of buckets per week. And they would fill up like one of these compost piles each week and they would cover it and that's it. They don't touch that anymore. And they then rinse out those buckets and the buckets sit out exposed to UV uh, until the next time they go to swap the buckets out. Um, and they just rotate through that system. And I don't know how big the facility was they were using, but it was big enough and it was working for them. And so the only people who are handling that and making sure that it's processed properly are those who are trained. And so you have the same people doing it. So they're quote unquote experts at what they're doing. Um, so you, other than a person sitting down on the toilet, doing their business and then knowing to put a cup of cover material over it. That was all that the average person needed to do. So in that scenario, I would say it scales very well. So long as you have that space that you're going to um, use for composting it, that just like with the barrels, you have to have a spot to put it for X number of months slash years uh, for it to be properly processed. Um, so yeah, if you, if you're talking about scalability as far as number of people that are required to use the whole system, absolutely you're going to have people who don't do a good job of it or they're lazy or they don't care or whatever. Um, and, and then you're going to have that, that issue where, yeah, you can have disease that gets spread. Um, so yeah, I think if you scale it the right way, it can work very well. I'm Edward Norton, 
No, not that one, the other one, and I love pies. No, not that kind, the other kind. Hermes is an old-school forum packed full of friendly people who occasionally give out a slice of pie. You'll never forget your first slice of pie. It made me feel so good, I had to buy a whole pie so I could share the love. Oh, and there's apples too. Sign up at permies.com to join in the world of homesteading and permaculture, and you too might get a slice of pie. So I think basically what you're talking about now is is a type of scale that's equivalent to a sewage treatment plant. Because it's like, okay, um, like all of Missoula has all of their sewage all routed to the same spot, and there's a bunch of people that work there. Mm-hmm. And then in Missoula, there's a certain percentage of people that have some sort of illness that is passed through the pathogens in their poop. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's kind of like, you know, it's all going to concentrate down there at the sewage treatment plant. And then, yeah, they can they can have uh, different kinds of vectors of those ailments getting out. And they do. They have problems. Um and it's kind of like, and I kind of feel like those same problems are probably going to exist inside the Jenkins system unless they do something where it's like, okay, we're going to take these buckets and we're going to let all these buckets sit over there for one month before we start to try to compost them. And if they, well, the, the benefit they have is it's a hot composting system. So the, the system that I used in the past, it had a, a compost thermometer. And the day after you would add a bucket into that compost pile and you could move the thermometer around. Um, you know, you had straw all the way around it, insulating it. But within the the wet heart of the system, uh, it would get up over like 135, almost to 140 degrees the next day. And then it would stay there and it would start to cool back down. And by the end of the week, when another bucket was being put in, it would probably be down around 125. And then you put it back in. So according to Joe's whatever researches that he had in the book that was done on it, if it's up at 122 degrees Fahrenheit for 24 hours, it kills off anything that is harmful to human beings, you know, of all the various bits and bobs that are out there. Um, and when you get up to that 135 plus range, it only has to be at that temperature for like an hour. So, yeah, when you when you put it all into that kind of a space, and if you're talking about the large scale, you know, city size scale, um, yeah, you, you put all that together, it's going to get very hot. And then, of course, that's a person would say, well, yeah, the center of it gets very hot, but what about right at the edge where you have poopy bits coming right up to whatever your your air porous insulated material, whether it's straw or something else at that kind of scale, I'm sure it had to be something different. Um, you know, how hot does it get right there? Because you aren't stirring it up and mixing it and making sure that it's all homogenous when it comes to the temperature. Um, so I think that's where you get to the, it's a time and temperature scenario where the center, particularly in a larger pile, it can get up too hot, you know, where you can kill off the the good guys. They can cook themselves out of a job. Um, but over time, you're going to have sort of an averaging effect where those edges, maybe they only get to 120 degrees. Well, 
after three or four days at 120 degrees, that's been long enough that it cooks off anything that's bad there too along those edges. You know, or if it gets to only 110 degrees, well, then it takes it a month or two to, to do that. Um, but because those systems are designed to let it sit for a year, you know, untouched, then it's going to eventually cool down. It's, it's all cooked up and then it cools down and you get your pill bugs and your other little bits, uh, going in there to continue that, you know, cold composting process to make it into soil. Um, that you do get the right combination of, of time and temperature uh, as long as you have enough moisture in there, which is when it's combined with the urine, you do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's always the potential that something can go wrong. Like with our current sewer systems, the way they are, sewer treatment, it is going wrong, right? Yeah, they're, they're dumping stuff out into uh, rivers that it's not – you know, safe. <laughs> They'll say, just, just avoid that part of the river, you know, or in San Diego here when they have a heavy rain and you get the, the stormwater drains all will wash out all this nastiness that's accumulated in there because we don't get much rain, um, that people get sick if they go into the ocean for like 72 hours after a heavy rain, they tell you to avoid going into the water because uh, you get sick, whether it's, you know, waste or just nasty stuff, you know, road runoff and things like that. So is there anything that's going to be perfect? I don't know. I do agree with you that the less you have to handle something, that the less chance you have then of it being exposed to something. So if you can put it into a barrel and put that off to the side somewhere out of sight and let it sit for say two years, then you're almost certainly guaranteed that anything that could be alive is going to be dead at that point and, and not going to be a threat. Um, might still look sort of like poop that's covered in sawdust, but at the same time, you're then going to put that where some plants can use it, put some mulch over it and, so long as you don't have an inquisitive dog that's digging around your willow trees, uh, later on you should be fine. All right, I I want to finish the thing I was trying to say, and uh, um, so I was saying that okay, because they get a bunch of buckets there. Then the idea, the thing I was proposing, like maybe they could set the buckets aside for a month before they put it in the pile, but I, I suspect that they don't. And what they're going to do is that. Um, uh, they're going to open up a whole lot of buckets that came from a whole lot of different people, and probably at least a few of them have a sickness where the sickness is going to be passed through the pathogen that's in the bucket. And um, the thing I was attempting to say was that um, if you if somebody's got a hot bucket but they don't know it's hot because there's just so many buckets, there's probably like 500 buckets, a thousand buckets, two thousand buckets, something like that. Since they're opening all these buckets and dumping all these buckets, but now they've got one and they're going to open it up and they're going to dump it into the pile. At mm-hmm. that moment, at that very moment, they've opened the bucket and they're going to do, they're probably going to do 20 of these hot buckets today. And it's once a week. I think you said it was once a week, but maybe they're doing this every day. I'm not sure. But, but that means they're going to open up like 20 hot buckets today. And they're going to open up 20 hot buckets tomorrow and so on and so forth. <clears throat> and um, and there, there's probably going to be a few flies coming around 
And then now you got a hot bucket. You got a bucket that has the pathogens in it. And then the flies, at that moment, at that moment, the flies touch the stuff with the pathogens. And that's a problem. That's where I've got a problem. Now, it doesn't matter how hot the compost is or how complete, which, by the way, I have a lot of questions about the completeness of your compost and whether I've got the pathogens. But if they do age it for a year, then I am greatly comforted. But still, this fly touched the hot stuff, touched the pathogens, and then went out after that to who knows where. And so possibly even touching the workers in some way. But the amount of intimacy between the worker and the bucket is much closer than the workers at the sewage treatment plant. So now, I I mean, clearly uh, Jenkins uh, probably has a lot more numbers on all of this, and so it's a lot more stable. But all I'm saying, all I'm attempting to say is that even with all of that, then I think that the willow feeder system still wins by a fat margin um, for a lot of different reasons. And and so, I mean, we're touching on a lot of these reasons. But, again, this is kind of turning into a giant podcast of its own to talk about, <laughs> you know, these little details. And these little details are the important details. It's true. And I think my concern is, is like that – when you've homogenized a Jenkins system, you've effectively done the same thing that is a sewage treatment plant in a way, homogenizing all of the poops from uh, all of the community, which is a solution and a problem. The downsides being is like now you've got this one spot where there's all these pathogens all hitting, and it's like there's a bunch of problems with that. Now, we've elected to just say, like, we're going to overlook that, and plus it's been pretty well mitigated, but it's not completely mitigated. It's it's better than a lot of other systems. A sewage treatment plant is much better than a lot of other systems in a lot of different ways, although there's still elements of it that are kind of like, ew, and there's there's some things where we ought to be concerned. And and not only that, but people that are in charge of these sewage treatment plants, they, they are concerned. And there's these regulatory uh, agencies that are so concerned that it's difficult to build a new sewage treatment plant because the laws are changing every month. And it's like they make a design for a sewage treatment plant. Before they start to build it, they have to change the design seven times to meet the new requirements. Then while they're in the middle of building it, the requirements change. And so it's kind of like, holy shit, how are we ever going to get this thing fucking done? It's like mm-hmm. they keep changing it. So it's, 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 and there's reasons for it all. They're, they're not just crazy shit. Um, ha, no pun intended. Oh, that was, a, that was a beautiful stumble right there. Um, <clears throat> all right. The key is, is that there are points in the Jenkins system that could use improvement. And you're right. When it's handled professionally, it'll be done much better. The one thing I was suggesting is, is like, well, if you set those cans aside, I think that the pathogens will be reduced in one month by about 99%. And so then the whole system becomes a hundred times better, but they probably aren't going to do that. And then they're going to try to professionally compost things in a way. So that way um, it's going to, you know, kill the composting process 
is going to, by definition, for exactly the reasons you talked about, is going to not compost the stuff out of the edge of the pile. It is not. It just isn't. At 110, those beasties are perfectly safe. They are fine and happy. And they will, so, all right. Now, not all of them. It's, it gets so complicated. There's so many different ones, but, but okay. They're, they're gonna, they're gonna be there. Um, but the fact that they're gonna compost it, the composting is it, complete with turning is gonna kill 99% of the BCs. And we're not very concerned about the good guys dying. Let them, let, in this process, we're, we're less concerned about that. Let's let that go. But, Sure, in a professional environment that can keep it from getting too hot, but hot enough to be able to kill all the things that are of concern to us, the composting process alone probably will kill 99%. Next up comes aging it. If they're going to age it a year on top of that, then, which I think is what you said, that they age it a year. In that case, now, now you're well within my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I've got a, a worry about is when the can is being emptied. Yeah. As I'm yeah. emptying my cans when they're two years old. And these people might be emptying their cans when it's just hours old. Two days old, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and like you said, there's, there, particularly when you're concentrating it like that, there's going to be a smell when you're pouring all that stuff in, you're covering it. So the flies are going to find it. You're going to have flies flying around. Even if they aren't getting into the piles, they're sort of like the, the seagulls waiting for you to drop your French fry at the beach uh, scenario where the, they're going to be there ready and waiting. So, yeah, you're, like you said, there's you're, eventually you're going to open up a bucket that has an infection in it, and there's going to be flies trying to sample that as it's going by. Um, so, yeah. You, you so, certainly can be exposed. The workers would be for sure. I feel like when the time comes to change a bucket with the willow feeder system, you're going to lift up the lid. You're going to lift up the seat. Um, <clears throat> although I think our seats are actually screwed down, so you can't lift the seat. But one of the, it's like time to move it. And then we're going to put down uh, two inches of sawdust on the top before it's moved. And it's in an area where there are <clears throat> generally no flies. Because of the design of the willow feeder system. And so part of the design of the willow feeder system is to make it so the people that are processing this are going to, um, have to, like, it, it's, it's a less icky experience. And so I, I think we've achieved that quite well. So like when you go and you empty a five gallon bucket, and it's got material in it that's, you know, from yesterday, then um, the emptying is still going to have a certain ick factor. And granted, people who love the humanure system will say, no, it's fine. You get used to it. Saying you get used to it is the same as saying that there's a certain ick factor. Mm -hmm. And so that ick factor is going to make it so that a lot of people, a lot of princesses, are not going to do it. They're not going to have buy-in. They're not going to change the way that they do stuff. But, you know, it's like, okay, well, what can we offer to get it to the point that people are going to be willing to make a change? And I think that the willow feeder offers that. The willow feeder system offers something where it's like, we have eliminated 99% of the smell that happens during the process that you're in there. 
And if another person walks in, it's perfectly safe. It, there's, there's no risk for that next person walking in. I think we've done that. Then the other thing is, is like when the time comes to process what's in there, um, we do it much less frequently for a bunch of different reasons. But maybe it's, um, uh, if, if you have, if you're living by yourself and you've got a five gallon bucket and you're doing the human error system, you're probably emptying that bucket once a week. If you're going to be doing the exact same thing with a 27 gallon can in the, uh, willow feeder system, it's probably going to be more like once a year, but it is a bigger container and you might want to use a hand truck to move it. So I think that there are a bunch of these different factors that are also important. So there's the one about scalability, which is the one that we've talked about. I think another thing is, is, is the homogeneity, which is going to be that when you get a system where you bring all the poops together, then it's like this is a spot that if you've got enough people, you definitely have pathogens you should be worried about. But on the other hand, if you're going to do something where everybody is separate and different, then it's like then that there's going to be like that one home in a hundred that has pathogens you should worry about, and the rest of them do not have that problem. And so, but even though they're going to be doing the same things as if there might be, because they might have had company or something, and just in case kind of stuff. So, I I I feel like Jenkins has done magnificent, wonderful work, and he's taken us so far. And at the same time, there is regulatory reasons why the Jenkins system has been outlawed, and they are valid reasons. And there are princess reasons why people don't want to do it. And, and, and those are valid reasons. Like we should, we wish, you know, it's, it's, we should all pursue our most luxuriant path. <clears throat> and I feel like the willow feeder is an improvement on both of those fronts. And, and that's why I advocate it. And so, um, now, the whole question is, is that you're asking me like, what's cool up on Wheaton Labs? And right. I think I've, I think I've answered it. First of all, I'm going to encourage you to do your own little feeder system. But if you want to do something else and somehow you can convince me that the, um, the, the groundwater concerns and the fly concerns are totally addressed, I'm, I'm open to that idea. Okay. <laughs> You ready to go on to the next bit in the same paragraph? <laughs> sure. Okay. All right. Um, there was a question about types of organic foods allowed, like, say, organic pea protein. So long as it's organic and packaging can be properly disposed of, is a person good? Yes. As long as it's organic. Um, the goal is to avoid persistent poisons in the output. I'm going to again say Yes. Yeah. So like, um, uh, persistent herbicides is going to be a big concern, but I, I also kind of feel like, um, there's going to be a lot of other stuff in there. Now here at Wheaton Labs, I mean, people eat out a couple times a week and it's like, that's, that's fine. I mean, the fact that 90% plus of all the food, because the food that we have here is a good 98% plus organic or better. And mm-hmm. so then, if people eat out twice a week, I think that that's less than 
And so it's like, all right, well, we can, our systems will take on that much of a load. And, and, uh, and then of course we're going to, I don't want to put this material at the foot of a willow tree and have the willow tree die because it was loaded with persistent herbicides right. from non-organic sources. All right. The last paragraph. Uh, as more people arrive, perhaps a designated parking area by the gate would be established. Yes. Perhaps a simple shed roof, parking shelter, or burn shed, we'll say, mm-hmm. uh, to keep weather off of cars, keep them out of the mud. And could be a surface to capture some rainwater. Sure. Which maybe you could use to wash the bugs off the windshield, etc. <laughs> sort of like uh, the berm shed minus the, the berm uh, or wall. I would think that you'd still want it to have the berm shed, have the roof and some of the walls, like at least one of the walls. But yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, uh, I've already been thinking along the lines of berm shed. Okay. We've done it. We got to the end. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now, when it comes to building standards up at the lab, do we have any other questions? Hmm. Nothing? Not right now, no. Yeah, that was a pretty thorough list. We We kind of covered a lot of stuff there. And we kind of made, like, two-thirds of a podcast about humanure. <laughs> so. I got a question. All right. Katie. Let's say somebody has to take some medications for some reason. Like, they weren't expecting it, but then they – would you want them to have, like, a second bucket, like a special bucket no. that, for that time? No. I mean, um, what, I, what I hope is that um, we will get to the point where the the – all of the things about here, like like uh, the natural buildings, the natural living, the food systems, uh, the permaculture food systems, all of these things will all add up to make it so that people will uh, no longer want their pharmaceuticals, and then therefore their pharmaceuticals will be phased out. The, the point being is that um, most pharmaceuticals pass right through, whether it's through the urine or the poop, and it ends up there, and um, and it's kind of like, do we really want that in our stuff? Well, a lot of that stuff, I'm not sure it's going to have much of an impact on the growies. Uh, I think most of it's going to break down pretty thoroughly in um, uh, in these different systems, and and won't be much of an issue. But some of it will persist. The things that I would be most concerned about would be heavy metals. Um, but I like to think that like. When we have a good system, so Allerton Abbey is built, the fences around it, the gardens are being constructed around it. Um, I'm hoping that in two or three years there'll be magnificent gardens and it'll be this paradise. I like to think that if somebody came and, and lived in Allerton Abbey, that in a week or two they would no longer want their pharmaceuticals. And so then the material that would accumulate inside the willow feeders would be um, pharmaceuticals free. So um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking that I'm not I'm not going to require anything to be separate or anything like that. I think it's it's just gonna be part of it. I am I am much less concerned about the pharmaceuticals than I am about the persistent herbicides that'll be in foods that will pass through to the willow feeder. Did I 
Get that one? Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Um, all right. Mark, did that get you thinking of anything else? Um, no, I think everything I was wondering about has been answered. Thank you. All right. All right. Coolness. Uh, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about natural building, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. In a world on the brink of social collapse, one website stands above the rest to fight back the zombie horde of corporate trolls, permies.com. Take back control of your destiny and protect your loved ones from the toxic gick coming at you from all directions. Strap on your overalls and start building that bunker of abundance with the good vibes and friendly, helpful insight found at permies.com.